This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. I'm glad we could uh, bring you on and prove okay with you, Ron. <laughs> Whoa. Affinity is yeah, a good I know, choice. I know, I know. It's like, um. it's a great choice. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it'll only get you to the top eight of a GP. You won't win, though. Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by ManorDeprived.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mice they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. Anything that costs a shit ton of mana, you're just like, bang! They're like, fuck. How does that go? Bang! Fuck. <laughs> Jay Boosh. And that's like the hyper angle. I never want to play in another GP again. I, want to, I never ever want to play in another GP. And Jeremy. And you're the reason I play Magic too. I'm like, I just like, I die. I die. I was like, like just melting on the inside like that. I have inspired this kid to play Magic. And now, the A-Team. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 256 of the A-Team Podcast. This is KYT with my man, Jeremy Schofield. How's it going, Jeremy? Woo! Spring break! Actually, it's not <laughs> spring break, it's winter. Although, I'm in northern Alberta. It's supposed to be cold as fuck up here because it's northern Alberta. And yet, it's going to be above zero. Uh, it's going to be above zero, not tomorrow, but the day after, for like the whole weekend. What? What? There's Man, like, it just started snowing here today. This is the first day of yeah, snow. Yeah, I know. It's they've been saying that. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, is an El Nino a thing? Like, I thought it was just like a single thing, but it seems like it's actually like <laughs> a thing that happens. So, yeah, apparently we're having like the craziest one ever, and that we're gonna have a stupid mild winter, which is great, but you know, it just seems weird. Not like we're going to have melting snow at the end of November. Hmm. Yeah. So how have you been? I, how have you been, my man? You know, I'm uh, I'm in a funny spot. Um, I just found out today I'm getting transferred. So that's a thing. Uh, I'm not going to be a foreman on the other job. Uh, right now, essentially, what's going on, like with the company I work for, the jobs are going to dry up over the winter until like March, April, and then that's when all the new jobs start up. So they're pretty much just jamming me anywhere that they can find me. So I'm going to a place that's already got like a good like staff and people and all that kind of stuff. So there's just no room to have another foreman over there. But I'm happy to be working. Uh what I don't know is how is it gonna affect the show, right? Like Oh man. Like, so, I'm, I'm already in bad <laughs> internet land as it is, but I'm going to a brand new camp. Um, newer camps tend to be done up a little bit better. Uh, the one downside to camps is that you have 500 people on the same internet. So, we'll see mm-hmm. if it can handle or not, or whatever the case may be. 
I have a question though, Jer. Um, yeah. Is Scotty on on hiatus or is he is he out forever? Uh, well, like... you know, I'm I'm glad that somebody finally asked the question because uh, you know it just it, it never comes up and it's something that should come up. So, um, I think that the correct answer is you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> no, Scotty, 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 right? Like Scotty. I think he even said it today. He's like, I don't play magic anymore, so I'm not sure what I would add. So, yeah, I'm 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 glad that uh, was interesting for me to look back and think back at all the variants of of the A team and how basically everyone quit not because at least not because of some um, group dynamic issue. Yeah. It was always like uh, some family commitments. It wasn't it had nothing to do with us not getting along with one another. It's like you're, you're the guitarist. You're not the lead singer, man. Yeah, the guitarist. Yeah. 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 You're the drummer. Sure. Nobody cares about the drummer. <laughs> I don't think uh, any of us were like trying to Justin Timberlake us, but. <laughs> well, um, come on. Scotty was Justin. Let's, let's be. Well, yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> like, he's on my I do him list. I mean, he, maybe not Justin. Maybe he's like the best singer on the Backstreet Boys because he, he always kept the group together. So. Yeah. That's one thing. Um, I, I don't with, think Justin was in the Backstreet Boys. I think he was in NSYNC. Yeah. And I just said that on the fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah. But you're worrying our fans now with, with, like, Scotty MIA, with Jay, with his school, and now your sketchy uh, connection. But, no, we're uh, not going to worry I, the fans. Like, and, yeah, like, I, I'm going to ride this sucker out. I'm going to be whatever the Joey Fatone, you know, like, <laughs> if, if the ATM ends, I'm gonna get like some like fucking weird sketchy gig, and I'm gonna be the one that fucking survives. You know, the guy who like band down, exactly like <laughs> pre rolled into boy band fame. Yeah, uh, I, I'm just gonna be just straight up like the I ain't proud of what I do, but I'm still doing stuff. <laughs> that or like I'll just come out or something like that, and you know get a little bit of attention for that. No, no, it's it's 2015. Nobody really cares about that that's just life now so mm. um well i want our listeners to know that our upcoming guest uh, for this episode is really exciting it's, it's a very good friend of mine alex bianchi who had just won gp pittsburgh's so really excited and it's modern some in one format that everyone loves that they had to cap the event so we're going to be talking about that but uh even with that it, it's great to see the support uh with all these people coming in and out of the A-team, um, we had just Bruce, uh, man, I, I'm tempted to say Bruce Richard, just like how I would pronounce Maurice, Maurice Richard, Rocket Richard. I'm going to go with Richard. <laughs> like, I, I actually... Sorry, sorry you're Bruce, in Quebec, that's, how... that's Quebec bias, buddy, like, just <laughs> straight up, no, nobody yeah. else actually talks like that. Man, it's in my head. I know, but, uh, it is, it is, and that's not your fault. You were born Bruce... that way. Man of Burn on Twitter, writes for Daily MTG uh, regularly, and uh, I think he's done this before, at least in some form yeah. elsewhere. No, no, actually, probably on the Mothership, where he, he highlights some of the top pod, MTG podcasts out there, because um, I, well, I'm not exactly following all the podcasts anymore, but when he first did it, I remember just there's just a ton of content coming out. I think now there's there's less so that that I at least see from from time to time. Uh, and, I think uh, that there's still lots coming out. I just think that we're getting old. 
We're okay. not, it's a new generation of casters out there, you know, <laughs> like uh you go to mtgcast.com usually and there, it's hard to select um from all of them and to all the listeners that um you know besides the man deprived podcast you can check out there's a bunch of good recommendations from uh bruce and there's a lot of podcasts they listed that i listen to so yeah bruce has good taste uh yeah <laughs> you know even though he put us on the list he has good taste so uh give him uh give him your trust Listen to what he says. <laughs> uh, I I was I was really touched when when he put us, uh, and he even sent me a DM uh, to check us out, and uh, felt like we're slow we're making it work despite not having Scott the uh, enthusiasm master as. Uh, hey man, and punk- sync went and lived on as soon as Justin left, right? <laughs> no, he <we> fucking did. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what do you, what do you mean? They don't exist anymore. Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> um so when when I was uh, hyping code names an episode or two episodes ago, I got Doug Potter to to buy it and he got Brian Sue to buy it and now I, I Jeremy before the show told me he got a copy. Yeah. And so how are you liking that game? It as uh it is good. <laughs> Are there any uh, specific strategies that that you've discovered? So we played approximately three games. And uh, it was at a a GPT. So I got in, I I brought the box, and Brian Sue was there. Oh, baby. And he was like, hey, how's it going? Oh, good. You like it? And I'm like, I've never played it. I, I literally bought it. And I haven't played it, and that's why I brought it. He's like, oh, okay, good, because on my way there, I was like, shit, I should have brought Codename. So it was a sit-down. He kind of ran a bunch of us through it. We sat there and played a game, uh, crushed the first game. Didn't really find kind of a, a strategy, per se. Like, there's certain little, like, basic strategies that you pick up. Uh, one of them is you have the ability to say uh, a clue and then use the word unlimited, and that lets them pick as many as they want. And like the understanding is if you are suggesting like that, if you're, if you're giving an unlimited to your team, what that says is that you have enough clues to answer the rest of it. Like, I don't need to tell you any more clues. I've given you the clues for all of the, all of the cards. So if you just remember that you can, you can find everything. There's no, Ooh, whoa, whoa, so, that is next level thing that in three games, you guys, or I guess the other guys talked about Well, the about other it. guys played it like nonstop for like two days, but like, Man. that's kind of like one of the, the, the concepts is that if you throw an unlimited out, you're just telling the person that, yes, you know, everything already. I don't need to tell you anymore. So wow. just figure it out. Whoa, that, that, yeah, I, in all my play, we haven't figured that to send that subtle message out. Yeah, so, like, that was one of the ones that came out of it. Uh, Aside from that, it was just understand your teammates. Uh, It was really great. You know, I've talked about uh, Jared Gashadi on the show. He's going to get a kick out of this if he's listening to it. And, like, one of the moments that I just thought was really awesome and just kind of lends into the whole when you're playing, like, a party-style game like that, you have to play to your audience. Brian was sitting there and he had done a clue that was like woman three or something like that. And there was a queen and there was this and there was a few. There was two that were really obvious. And then there was one of the cards on the table was kitchen. 
And Jared's like, oh my god, I should totally pick that. Because, like, that's just in Jared's wheelhouse. But he's like, no, no, like, Brian would never, you know, do that or anything like that. And then after the fact, it turned out that Brian had picked that specifically, because it was kitchen was one of their words. He specifically said that because Jared was at the table, and he's like, Jared's totally going to come through on this one. Like, he was playing into Jared just being a, a natural misogynist, so... <laughs> We all had a laugh at the table for it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that. Um, sometimes, like when when I played my with with two people on my team, you know, it's it's um, it was frustrating to see them trying to uh, match my word instead of just trying to see what I was trying to do. Yes, um, I think figuring out what I'm trying to do is way more important than than trying to match the words because. That's not what I'm necessarily trying to do because I need to come up with some vague word sometimes, right? Yeah. So, so you gotta you gotta view it that way. Um, I'm glad you had fun with the game. Um, a little bit of magic talk for for me. What I've been up to for magic is I'm setting up the GP website uh, for us. What? The GP that we're holding what is, in what is the Toronto. GP? The GP is in the final week of april so okay the i'll, I'll uh, get my time in i'll i'll, I'll make sure that i, I put my uh because my i i want to go so can i go to your gp i mean you get to meet your uh gaming brother i i i mean i was calling durf before the show i'm like jeremy's like your long lost straight gay lover because <laughs> he loves XCOM and um and fallout, fallout i'm playing fallout right now i all everybody understand <laughs> that if fallout 4 came out and i was up fucking north so i sat there and i hauled down the fucking playstation 4 and i'm playing some fallout and if you find folks have a problem with that well kyle will edit this section out so whatever you know like i i i love the game it's a fantastic franchise i'm running through an old grocery store trying to kill things right now and why not that's what people do I don't think that is what people do. But he that's refuses what I do. to pick between. <laughs> he refuses to pick between XCOM and Fallout, and I don't know if I got you to pick a number one. Oh, oh uh, XCOM. Yeah. Okay, XCOM. Yeah. He'll be angry. He'll be angry that you actually chose them. So uh, it's not. It's it's not an easy conversation. Um, I would say that, like, why XCOM wins is because XCOM's number one on the list. Like, if you go individual games. It holds the number one, like the original Enemy Unknown, or oh my god, not Enemy Unknown, uh, like UFO or XCOM UFO or whatever the the very very first one. Uh, that one is like the number one game on the list. Uh, but all of the Fallout's individually, like if you were to put the whole group of them together, the Fallout's are better. Like there's no Fallout duds aside from like Brotherhood of Steel. But yeah. <laughs> Like, you can pick up um, any Fallout game and have fun, whereas, like, with XCOM, there's a couple that are just like, why am I playing this? Right, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I can't wait to tell Derb that you pick XCOM. Um, so I'm working on the site, and uh, to be uh, really specific about the GP, it's, it's the 30th of April to the 1st of May. Uh, in 2016, and, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting Scotty to be there, so... It's oh, going to be Scotty a ton of fun. For that? Yeah, I imagine he would. It's in Toronto, right? 
Yeah, so I absolutely expect him to can, show up. Can or he at play least make some sort of? Can he karaoke still? <laughs> I hope so. He hasn't given that up, has he? I hope not. I don't think so. We've seen videos of him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he's still willing to drink alcohol and karaoke. Yeah. So I, I've been working really hard on that because uh, I don't want to disappoint uh, Big Daddy Sal. I've been working on that and and, and other stuff uh, that we have in the works for 2016. But I hear that Jeremy had had a chance to play some magic. Like he just talked about the GPT. How how did you do at the GPT? Oh, and, don't, and ask, don't ask. It, it was uh, it was another sealed, another battle for Zendikar sealed. And you know, like when you sit there and you open up, like right now we have the new sealed, uh, this new sealed uh, registering process, right? So your opponent opens up, or whoever opens up, one person opens up, then the other person opens up. It's essentially a long and the short. Uh, so my opponent opens first, and he starts going through it, and it's like pack one, he opens up Gideon, and then he starts opening up like all this like white red just nonsense stuff. So it's like okay, well you know my opponent is stacked. If I play against him, like. I'm going to have to hope that I, I have some good stuff to kind of keep up with them. And then I sit there and I start opening up my stuff, and it's like, okay, so I have, like, one fringe-ish sort of playable card, like, rare. My uncommons are kind of, like, subpar. I ended up in, like, some just terrible blue-black deck. The only thing I had going on is I had, like, one of those Halamar Tide guys, the guy who bounces back uh, an Awakened spell. Right, I like that card. Yeah, yeah, that card is great. Like, that card was the best card of my deck. <laughs> so it's like, I end up playing, like, this blue-black Awakened deck. I didn't have, like, the Divination. I only had one of the Bounce spell. I had the Discard spell, which is pretty good. But I didn't have, like, a... I didn't have a good deck. Okay. Um, so I end up playing one game, and I'm playing against a guy I played against last uh, the last event I was at. And he just always goes... And maybe maybe I'm just doing it wrong, because, again, I, I haven't gotten a chance to play a lot, but it really seems like uh, these, like, four-color decks, like, three-color, four-color decks are kind of the way to go in seal, which just doesn't feel right to me. Okay. Like, <laughs> like, it just doesn't seem like that's supposed to work the way it does. And am I just wrong? I don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, sometimes uh, you end up feeling that way when your opponent, you know, always gets their color in time, and you're just... And when they do, you just get completely blown to bits. So it's it's hard to say, um, because this, this format has uh, far less... And I wouldn't know, having uh, played the league that, that I got eliminated in last week, the uh, booster league I was talking about, where I ended up opening basically nine booster packs of, of, of C, uh, Battle for Zendikar. Um, and I opened one Cons of Tarkir for fun. And I had to play cards like Sylvan Scrying just for fixing. And this, we're talking about nine boosters plus a Cons. I mean, it's hard for me to say that, that you would get insane fixing with just six. Um, you might, you know, it's possible you got really lucky well, with dual lands and evolving wilds. Just, people aren't using fixing. Like, okay, they're just, they're just raw-dogging it. it. Like, they're just raw-dogging, and it's like, okay, I see, like, the odd, like, um, the odd, whatever that three-drop stupid flying thing is. Uh, the t- the two-one that makes a one-one? Uh, no, no, the, uh, three-drop one-one flyer that you get to look for a land. Oh, Pilgrim's Eye, yeah, I play that guy. 
Yeah, sure. it's just like Pilgrim's Eye. Yeah, it's a good card, especially in this particular format. But it's just like, what? Like, what the heck's going on here? Like, why are these people able to just play these three color, four color decks? And like, I walked around after I was eliminated because I went, I went O two drop. Like, I just, I fucking was terrible. Um, and everyone just seemed to be playing these decks, and I just, I couldn't wrap my head around like how you're able to do that. So, uh, it just kind of goes against what my normal thought process is on it so i ended up uh i ended up playing against this guy and i took game one game two he kind of blew me out game three was going well but i forgot that uh rolling thunder could go upstairs oh man so where i kind of hurt myself was is that i had like a good high life total and i was kind of doing like this weird game with my opponent where i was just not attacking because i wasn't going to get profitable trades but the one thing that i needed to realize is that like even if i had done that attack i would have put his life total low and i would have threatened him enough that he would have to trade his board with my board and one of the things i always used to do was try to make sure i kept i I try to try to avoid having complicated magic you know if you can make the the game less complicated then sometimes that's very beneficial to do and one of the best ways to do that is just to trade creatures and make the board, you know, a lot less. So where I kind of, if I had just attacked into him and yeah, maybe, you know, came out of it worse for wear in the sense that I would have lost more cards, lost card advantage in the attack. Um, I still would have probably had the best creature on the board and I definitely would have won it after, you know, kind of the way things pro- played out. But again, that's also results oriented thinking. So. I just remember playing the game and being like, you know, maybe I should attack here. Should I be attacking here? I feel like I should attack here. But I didn't see the threat. I didn't see how he was going to kill me. And then he was able to kind of go with a position where he had more creatures on the table, but they were all like 1-1 tokens and stuff like that. So he was able to attack into me with a bunch of stuff. His little Eldrazi tokens were able to get through and hit me for a couple points of damage. Then he sacked them and all of his, uh, tapped all of his mana, and he went upstairs with Rolling Thunder and just like nine to me in the face to <laughs> knock me out of the game. And I'm just sitting there like dumbfounded, like, okay, well, you know, that's that's how I fucked up. Because <laughs> I thought like I had a I had a nine nine on the board. I had that uh, five five Eldrazi that if you exile two guys, you get plus four plus four. Right, so right, I right. I had that guy going already, so it's just like I I just did not feel like I was in any sort of trouble. And yeah, was in trouble, actual trouble. Can't live, hmm. won't live. So he killed me. Then I end up playing against Marcel Zafra, who's like Western Canadian sicko. Uh, plays at the shop. The thing I love about Marcel is that like he's he's really good, and he still plays like F and M. He just plays all the time. Like he's yeah. always at the shop. He's always friendly with players. Like he's. He's just, like, he's a really good ambassador for the game. He doesn't go out of his way to help people out, but he's also very, very, like, welcoming and very, very friendly in that sense. So. I just find that really rare, though. That, it that's... is. It is. That, that's why I call it out, is that. Yeah. The, it is the... not a common. Usually the people who are playing at that level are very ultra competitive, and they have a tough time. They have a tough time separating from newer players who may get them with variants because that does happen like variants happens to everybody if marcel loses a match he's never salty about it so 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I've never seen, it's really rare to see someone who plays FNM and competitive tournaments. I think they usually fall in one of the two buckets because of um, time commitments or, you know, just want to mix things up on a Friday night. Yeah. But uh, someone that really de- dedicates themselves to to Friday Night Magic and plays all the competitive stuff, that that's when you know you, you have a guy who's a great ambassador and, and loves the game a lot. Yeah, like, He's the guy that you go and, uh, you know, they always talk about, like, you should uh, try and find players that are better than you to play against. He's that guy. He's the guy that you're going to find when you go out to, like, your first competitive tournament. He's the guy who's going to be that, that, he's the end boss. He is, he's quite easily the (laughs) end boss at, um, at work. So. So did he just destroy you? Is that what uh, you're going to say? Uh, yeah, so his deck was ridiculous. Um, he had the Rolling Thunder. He had... Uh, Rolling Thunder. He had some other big red nonsense rare. He just... He, he had, like, <laughs> this crazy white-red aggressive deck that just had all the things. And Was it ally-specific? It wasn't ally-specific. It was just aggressive. Um, it wasn't like okay. al- allying me out of the game or anything crazy like that. It just was very, very solid, and mine wasn't. So he just beat the living tar out of me. I didn't even stand a chance. Like it was like I didn't even show up. So <laughs> yeah, that's about how that. Went. So is there are there any tournaments on the horizon for for the Jeremy? Well. I'm a little bit mixed up now because I've got this whole new job situation happening. Right, right. So with the transfer, so what's going to happen is normally I'd be here for 10 days. And then uh, after that, I would uh, I'd be here for the 10 days and then I, I'd go home for the weekend recording. But it sounds like my new job starts up next Tuesday. So it sounds like they're kind of like on an opposite schedule from us. So that just puts me into a spot now where I have to figure out what I need to do in order to make that all work. So I'm probably going to end up going home this weekend. Okay. And from there, then it'll be to just figure out what the 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 game plan is going to be. So that kind of throws off all my tournaments. Uh, I know that we only are probably going to work until the 16th of December. And there's a couple PPTQs and I think a GPT or two during the Christmas break in Edmonton or what would okay. be my Christmas break. So that's kind of what I got planned. I, I figure come time around Christmas, I'll be uh, making some time to play some tournaments. Sweet, sweet. I'll, I'll probably be grinding a lot online with the new system. But uh, What new system? The, the, the way they've changed, basically they've changed how a bit of how MTGO used to work where you, whether it be moxes or, or even preliminary uh, PTQs before you had to collect either QPs or, and when you did, you had to play basically the first tournament you were qualified for, or like the, your qualification is gone. Like you, you sometimes you'd have to, if you won uh, the preliminary constructed PTQ on Thursday or you four, one, you have to four, one, five, Oh, but then you have to play uh, the PTQ itself. It's that weekend. Like you can't. There's no flexibility. Like oh, it's yeah. possible something comes up, or 
another weekend is better for you. And now they're offering that flexibility for uh, both in terms of the mocks and the PTQ. So that's a huge plus. But they've also, you know, there's been a lot of complaints. So I have to go through the system myself to see if I like it or not, because a lot of live players are getting a lot of benefits. People who have like platinum status or or Hall of Fame can sort of jump um, a few levels in the mocks that a normal person like me and you would have to like grind through to achieve. So um, we'll see how hard it is for for an everyday guy like us to get there. but uh, I'm optimistic to play some MTGO again in, in the very near future. And, uh, you know, without further ado, I'm, we're just going to call out in our guest. Okay, yeah, let's do that. We got GP Pittsburgh champion. What? Alex Bianchi. How's it going? Or Bianchi, that uh, Matt wanted me <laughs> to say. Um, how do you pronounce your last name so that our listeners know? It's Bianchi. Bianchi. Yeah, I know they pronounce it a couple different ways, but <laughs> Bianchi is correct. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't even I didn't even get to watch. I, I was out, so I didn't wa- without my headphones, so I didn't even watch uh, the top eight with sounds. So I don't know if if the commentators were butchering your name or not. Do you know? <laughs> no, they were. They were definitely butchering my name. <laughs> Thanks, Marshall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, man. I'm like super, 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 super happy for you. Like, um, I, I'm more happy for people that, that I know like you that, that were in positions like like me that were just trying to get there slowly, grind, grind, grind for just that one uh, breakthrough performance. Um, Jeremy got his when he finished second in GP Vancouver. I'm glad that yeah. you brought um, that up because, like, that's still my Al Bundy moment. I just keep throwing that fucking five-touchdown <laughs> game out there. And I'm sure Alex, like, people were like, oh, man, you just made the Sunday Super Series, whatever. And this has to be your best achievement by far, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to qualify for the Pro Tour. And it's just, you know, winning the entire tournament was just, you know, even better. Icing on the cake at that point. (laughs) Yeah, now you get to, like, write something in there when you're top eight. You know, like previous magic accomplishments, <laughs> like Sunday Super Series is pretty cool, but now you got a GP title. That that's pretty badass too. Right? Yeah, I completely forgot I left out Game Day Champion in my oh, accomplishments well, column there. But... <laughs> yeah, you need to be putting that on there, buddy. Like that's that's fucking serious. Yeah. Uh, but I've I've noticed you for a while now. I've been friends with you. Um, you've written for my website. You've uh, you sometimes drive up in Toronto to play some competitive events, whether it be PTQs or MDSSs that that I help host. And uh, you know, I've stood behind you a bunch of times when you play. Especially, uh, most of the time, you're you're playing some kind of blue based control deck, um, and I think you play them pretty solid. Um, is that has that been a continuation? Have you been preferring control decks for the most part in in your current short career yeah i mean everyone it's kind of a joke i just play jess guy in every format right it's, oh okay it's kind so, of true kind of like the McLaren. i just prefer it yeah i mean he's he's definitely the, the most famous jess guy mage of all but <laughs> i i dabble in it um and you've been like i said am i wrong that you've been trying hard like what else have you uh done have you come close to any other gps or have you finished 
in in the finals of PTQ or anything? Yeah, actually, uh, earlier this year at at GP Vegas, I uh, going into the last round, I was twelve and two, so playing for a Pro Tour invite in the last round, and get paired against LSV, which is <laughs> uh, not really what you want to see, you know. But we were we were on camera for that, and uh, he crushed me in eight minutes or so <laughs> with an insane draft deck. So yeah, that was unfortunate. Um, before that, I also made the finals of a one of the old style PTQs in Toronto. It was like 400 players. It was a huge PTQ, and we played the top eight in Tim Hortons. It was uh, it was pretty absurd. Uh, yeah. What format was that? Do you remember? It was Theros, Theros Limited. Ooh. Yeah. I, I just remember you, like, for me, it's either Control decks or that uh, green, green-white green aggro deck yeah. that you have had a ton of success with. I played a lot of green-white, yeah. Um, didn't that help you get to the Sunday series? Or I, I guess I might be mixing up different things, but I remember you doing really well or winning a bunch of tournaments or, or top-aiding with them. Yeah. With it. I, did well on a few SCGs with Green White and uh, exoed uh, Super Series uh, at one of the GPs with it. What a boss! And I remember that that experience. Everyone, that's where you and and Andy Peters got really tight. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Him and a bunch of other Canadians were there. They kind of adopted me as part of their team. <laughs> Are you so you're you're an adopted Canadian? Yeah, There's yeah. A few of those. Yep. Because you're, you're from I'm in Buffalo. Buffalo? So, yeah. Buffalo, okay. That's close. You guys got Sabres. <laughs> yep. Um, so you just won a modern uh, GP. Everyone loves modern so much that they had to cap the event. Um, what, were your, what was your preparation leading up to this? Um, I played a lot of moto, played a lot in paper too, um, trying different decks. Probably tried four or five different decks. Uh, blue-white dragon control with Mutavaults and Silumgar Scorn. I played uh, Goryo's Vengeance Twin deck with Jace Friends Prodigy. I tried Jeskai Ascendancy combo. Uh, yeah, I went pretty deep. <laughs> Finally, I just uh, settled on a twin deck because I wanted to play a combo deck that would give me you know, some amount of free wins in a long tournament like a GP. And uh, yeah. Prefer Jeskai over over anything else. Well, you, I, I guess I assume you you made that firm decision fairly late or close to the to the tournament. Yeah, I've I've talked to people who've talked to you about what you thought we were playing, and, and you were not necessarily on Jeskai Twin. Like um, I was talking to Jay Jay Lanzao, another writer of mine, and he said you were you were you know not really sure what you were playing, and and he didn't expect you to have Twin. Yeah, it was kind of like just the last couple of weeks I decided on on Twin. Just everything else was, wasn't really working out for me. I, they started out promising, but I don't know. The Jace Friends Prodigy just didn't feel good enough in Modern uh, hmm. in the end. So I gave up on that. Do you, did you have a lot of uh, experience with Twin prior? And um, my second question would be, I, I think your list isn't exactly super techie, right? Um, I mean, as far as the card selection goes, there's not really. There's some spicy ones in the sideboard, but um, yeah, the the white splash I would say is maybe techie. You consider that? 
to be techie. But yeah, I've been playing Twin for a couple PTQs now. So um, I have some experience with Blue Red and, and Grixis Twin. Hmm. So was was the whole GP a smooth ride? Like, how did you do day one? And, and did it really excite you to... to... Like be like, whoa! Maybe I actually have a chance to win this whole thing. Yeah, day one was I went eight one day one. I lost to uh, Amulet Bloom. Um, it was was didn't feel easy. I mean, I I had a lot of like two one wins. Um, I almost lost to Ashiok in the first round. Uh, <laughs> Sweet. And I I also almost also lost to Mono Blue taking turns deck second. What? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Turns turns is sweet. Yeah. So yeah, there were a lot of close calls in even in day one, but managed to scrape out an, an eight-one. So I was pretty happy. What do you think about the the amulet matchup? Is it like just them needing to really nut draw you to death, or? Yeah, if they if they do have a nut draw, there's not a whole lot. Like I have path to, to interact with Titan attacking me. Uh, mm-hmm. And I have a couple counter spells, but they're not, you know, they're not great. And they have cavernous souls as well, so sometimes those don't even do anything. Um, so yeah, that's why I have two blood moon in my sideboard just for that matchup, basically. Mm. Okay, okay. Like the twin combo is okay against them because um, they don't have a ton of interaction. They have they have packs, but like tapping down a, a Karu is pretty good too. Right, right. Hmm. So you finished X one day one, and uh, I guess I'm assuming you were feeling pretty good heading into day two. Yeah, yeah. I actually beat Wesco in in day one too, which was what? felt really good. And he ended up top eighting, obviously top fouring. So <laughs> yeah. And, and day two. Well, day two I- I I read on Twitter, man, that you got my attention when you beat my my other boy, mm-hmm. Alex Hayes. Yeah, <laughs> you had to beat him. <laughs> How was that like? Was he your toughest opponent in 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 the rest of the Swiss, or were there other big names that you had to slog through? I mean, he was definitely the biggest, one of the bigger names I had to play against. Unfortunately, our games weren't too competitive because he had he had multi four and or multi five and multi six. Okay. Uh, so it was it was pretty rough. Um. But yeah, it was pretty fun to play against him, though. Definitely. You picked up a loss, though, somewhere. Yeah, early yeah. I, I lost to a Tron player. Whoa! So, yeah, I was it was an X1 in the X1 bracket, and I did not expect to hit Tron that late in the tournament. But uh, yeah, he's... How do you lose? <laughs> How do I lose? Yeah. That's what I was How thinking. Explain, 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 please. Right, like, I played... In game one, I, I played Celestial Colonnade, and uh, <laughs> he ends up beating me. He ends up he ends up beating me, but you know, I it's obvious that I'm on like the twin version. And he says like, "Oh, you know, when I saw that Colonnade, I'm I'm like, this is either my best matchup or my worst matchup because of you know, twins are really good against Tron, obviously. Okay, but uh, my version, I guess, is has a little bit less focus on the combo itself and has more controlling elements like like Path to Exile and, you know, Wall of Omens and stuff like that. Okay, so, that they don't care about. Yeah, it, 
hurts a little bit, I guess, in the in the game one game plan. But yeah, also just the addition of Ulamog in in the Tron deck is is huge. And uh, yeah, hitting like two of my lands, which is uncounterable because it's part of the the cast trigger. Right, right, it's, right. It's a huge impact in that matchup now. So he he took you down early. Was this round one or two of day two? That was uh, actually no. That was the fourth round in day two. Okay. So fourth round. Okay. Because yeah. then I think you faced Alex right after, right after and then yeah. and then you just drew in. No, I had to play the last round. Ooh. Yeah, I, it was on camera a little bit. Uh, I think my game three was on camera. Just the game three, yeah. But it was uh, quite quite a game. Who were you against? It was against uh, elves. Ooh. Green-black elves. Is that a deck? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily tier one, but um, it's Andrew like, Solano. Is it something that you would... You would... Put on your like testing gauntlet. It would be something I'd put on, you know, the fringe gauntlet once I'm past the, you know, top five or six decks. If I'm going wider, like maybe a dozen decks, it may be in there. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that, no, that's the, absolutely the pilot, Like it just the pilot was really good, so it, it was. I think that made it <laughs> makes a difference there. Oh yeah, for sure. How nervous were you? Uh, during that final uh, win, then. Uh, at that point, I not as <laughs> nervous as I thought I would be. I guess. <laughs> oh man, I mean, I yeah, I can't can't imagine the feeling of of uh, clinching that top eight. Yeah. And uh, man, that puts you in position. Um, you you finished in which uh in which spot for after the top eight? Uh, sixth. Okay. Sixth going in, yeah. Yeah, I had the uh, I had the best breakers of the X twos, but uh, a lot Sweet. of X twos didn't make it, so had to play the last round. Being such a large tournament, it was like twenty seven hundred almost. <laughs> so let's let's break down uh, your your top A. Your first opponent was uh, Robert Long, playing blue red twin as well, right? And uh, it was a great good twin mirror. So run us through what happened. Yeah, it was a long, probably two-hour match that happened between us. You know, it's uh, neither of us comboed in any three of the games. My deck has kind of know that you're supposed to combo, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the normal thing to do in the twin mirrors is set out the combo, just because it's it's pretty dangerous to tap out <laughs> and then get comboed no. yourself. So, yeah, it's. Both of us did that, and it came down to really grindy games, all three games. So do you think the white helps you uh, in, in that type of grind match? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, just, um, you know, if he, if he wants to kill one of my X4 creatures, like uh, Exarch or Restoration Angel or Colonnade, he probably has to use two spells on it, like two bolts, whereas I have Path. And... Uh, I have, I have the man lands too, which helps. So those are definitely uh, difference makers in that matchup. At one point, is it not scary to like tap so much mana to attack with a colonnade? <laughs> uh, 
I, I guess when they're low on cards in hand, really, it's the only, it's the only time. It's always pretty scary. <laughs> so you beat him in a, in a grind match, and, and then you, you face an affinity player. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't really like you said. You mentioned it was you you ate one day one, but it wasn't easy. You you had the two one a lot, and you two won the entire top eight. I was at the edge of my seat watching you, and, and you faced affinity in top four, and um, Looking at your list in sideboard, do you feel really uh, comfortable against Affinity? Yeah, I do. I, I guess I didn't even realize how good my matchup was against Affinity until I played a couple, couple of different Affinity decks during the Swiss and two would both times, I believe. Uh, and just I, was, I just realized, you know, it was a really good matchup. I knew it was good, but I didn't, I didn't know the extent. I guess how good it was. So yeah, going into the top four. And seeing that my opponent was on Affinity, I, there's a real confidence booster there. Ooh, really? Yeah, yeah. And then I look over to my right and see the, un, another Affinity deck on the other side of the bracket. I'm like, ooh, okay. <laughs> chance. Um, so what, what sideboard cards do you do really like from your sideboard? In, in that matchup? In the, yeah, in, in that matchup. matchup. Uh, I bring in Stony Silence, obviously, Wear and Tear, Engineered Explosives, and uh, Pia and Kieran Nalar. Those are the four cards I bring in. All right. And what do you take out? Uh, three remands and Wall of Omens. Yeah, that Pretty makes sense. Swaps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, were, were there any anything special to you uh, in those uh, in those top four games or, or or even the finals? I know one game you got an early. I I believe I remember in the finals the second game you just had a really early Stony Silence possibly turn two and I'm just like man this guy can't. Affinity player just can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, in, unless... in game two, that was yeah, Sony Silence. <laughs> unless unless he he can just keep attacking you with Ink Moth Nexus, like that's his only plan. Uh, but other than that, Sony Silence is is hands down like just auto shutdown card. Um, but uh, in the games you lost, you know, did you feel like you had a chance, or was there anything else that you felt were were, were close and and you could have done something different? Um, not a whole lot, really. Uh, I think the games came down to me having to go for the combo because, you know, the, the affinity player had a pretty nutty draw, could turn three or turn <laughs> four kills. So the only, you know, thing I can do, I guess, in response to that is to try to turn four kill myself with the combo. <laughs> and uh, they just had the Galf Blast both times, I think, to interrupt me. <laughs> Uh, what's funny was now I just remember like watching the the Twitch chat. I don't know if anyone's mentioned this to you, but watching the Twitch chat while they're broadcasting your game and having the commentators call certain cards in your hands wrong, and and you don't even know if the Twitch chat is exaggerating or they're, they're just making fun of the uh, they're just being sarcastic and making fun of the commentators because it was like oh man he, he has spells there spells there he's got, he's got it and he's gonna win and then it's like no he doesn't the affinity player is gonna win and then the chat just goes absolutely nuts <laughs> as to what like the card le- like leftmost in your hand is it, it was hilarious yeah and me I just I I couldn't see on my phone screen really what you had so I'm just like fuck and just could someone please tell me if Alex is winning or losing? <laughs> yeah, I remember that too. It's like, you know, they, they see a blue card. I think it's Deceiver Exarch the whole game. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking about lines where I have Deceiver Exarch where I don't. Yeah, it's like, uh, he just plays this, right? 
Like, he clearly ha- he ha- he has to have path to exile. It's like, you don't, like, you, you even tap your only white source at one point, so, like, it makes it impossible for you to cast path if you had it, because you clearly don't, and it's just, it was just funny. <laughs> so you felt pretty good, so you took it down, you, you beat robots twice, which, uh, you know, I've I've been on the show recommending a, as a as a solid choice for for any tournament. So I, I think uh, it still is moving forward. Uh, one of our listeners cashed. And, I'm glad uh, we could uh, bring you on and prove KYT wrong. Well, affinity. <laughs> yeah, is a good I know, choice. I know, I know. It's like um, it's a great choice. <laughs> it's like yeah, it'll only get you to the top eight of a GP. You won't win though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh it's Wolf or Silver Hard Goods. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, it is Wolf <laughs> Alex, uh, any changes you would make? As that's that's the player. That's a question all these competitive players want to know. It's like how you would change your exact seventy-five moving forward, and would you recommend this to 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 anyone? Even if people start, I mean, it's not like twin is a hidden thing. It's always been one of the top uh, performing decks. You know, even my friend Dan Lantier won uh, with twin in. Um, in Vancouver, so people know about this deck. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? Is it a good deck moving forward, and what would you change? Yeah, I guess the first thing I, I'm looking at changing is the Blood Moons in the sideboard. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of consider them a necessary evil against Amulet Bloom because um, it's such you know it's such a powerful deck right now, Amulet Bloom. But uh, it's not the greatest card in this deck because I don't have that many ways to get like my basic planes. And so it can kind of hinder myself and shuts off my own Celestial Colonnades as well. Um, also has a little bit of awkwardness with Path to Exile. So if I path one of their guys, give them a basic, you know, a Blood Moon just is a little bit less effective there. Right, right, right. That makes sense. I look, I've been looking at, you know, um, Crumble to Dust, I guess, is a card that's good against Tron, but not so much Amulet Bloom. And uh, Ghost Quarter is another thing I've been looking at. So yeah, a couple of different options. Crumbled to dust. That sounds familiar to me, Jeremy. Crumbled to dust. You know where that's from? No. <laughs> I'm actually trolling, but I don't. I think you actually don't know where it's from. I don't. <laughs> um, we had the luxury to spoil. It was one of the spoiler cards that we got. Yeah. Uh, for Mana deprived. Um. What really? Yeah, and just people are like, yeah, it's uh, slightly better sowing salt, so uh, yeah, whatever. Oh, it is that <laughs> card. Okay, yeah, yeah it's, it's slightly better than sowing salt, so I'll give you that. Yeah, and it's just less effective. Uh, people felt it was like too expensive and too narrow that it's basically only good against Tron decks, um, is what people were saying, so we haven't been seeing them, but uh, if Alex thinks you know they have a shot, you know, maybe, finally... One of my cards can see some modern modern play. <laughs> um, I, I felt that way for for Affinity. When I was playing Affinity, I had Blood Moons in my sideboard. Uh, even Alex didn't... <laughs> Hayne, rather. There's two Alex. Yeah. Even Hayne didn't really love them because of how narrow they were. They were just there because of Amulet Bloom. Uh, but against other decks, you know, shutting... The same reason for you. You shutting off your Celestial Colonnades and Affinity shutting down your own Ink Moth Nexus. Right. One of the most powerful cards in, in the entire affinity deck it was just really awkward yeah and they, so, they have eight man lands in their deck so it shuts off even more man lands so that 
that's what you would change, but so you think this is still one of the blue white white red variant might see more popularity because of you? Yeah, I hope so. I think it's pretty solid. Uh it has like some advantages that the other versions of twin doesn't. Um having white cyborg cards is a huge deal in a lot of matchups. So yeah, I think it's pretty good going forward. And uh, I, didn't, I don't know, I, it loses some of the surprise factor, I guess, now. But that, I think, had a lot to do with my success, uh, especially on day one. Just a lot of people not knowing that I was a twin deck, you know? Ooh. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. And now, now, you, now you put the deck on the radar, and uh, we'll see what changes. Um, congratulations again. Uh, but now let's move to something a little more controversial. I've seen a lot of controversy on Reddit, and uh, one of my friends, Robert Vaughn, who listens to the show, also a team listener, made a blog post. Uh, he's also a TCG player writer about how this is possibly no, he didn't even say possibly. This is the worst run GP of all time, and I've seen that a lot. I haven't had time to look at all the comments, all the Reddit threads, and all the Twitter posts. I've only heard this even from from players that I know that have been there. Uh, what was the experience like? How bad was it? I mean, it, it wasn't terrible for you. You won the whole damn thing, but yeah, you uh, were able to play. <laughs> you were able to play and win and slay everyone, but uh, yeah, I heard a lot of issues. Yeah, the the rounds were super long. Day one, I think, went like fourteen hours or something. What? It was over at like ten or eleven. Just oh, starting God. at nine a.m. Yeah, some of the rounds went. You know, 30, 35 minutes past past time, which was pretty rough. That's brutal. Yeah, and I think <laughs> one of the one of the biggest complaints was there's only one water fountain. Like the entire <laughs> building that was, uh, there were two, but if you tried to use both at the same time, they wouldn't. They would, like, share <laughs> Are the water you serious? Fountain. That's fucking hilarious. Are you fucking serious? A huge line at the water fountain. I, I don't know. It's it was just absurd. That's awesome. I love this story. Yeah, yo, fucker, don't use the water fountain. I'm using the yeah. only one that can work. Mm. Um, early on, even people were, uh, even before the event itself, uh, Jared, people were complaining uh, about the cap. Yes. I wonder if you have an opinion about that. Like, people were saying, oh, man, you should know since it's modern and it's in Pittsburgh, etc. What's your What's your take on, like, TOs needing to cap this, or are they feeling like they needed to cap it? Me? Because Yeah, yeah. Caps are caps. It's just, you gotta make sure that you have, like, that information out soon, and you gotta, like, set, like, some realistic goals onto yourself, saying, like, if we hit 75% of our max, we need to announce the number early on. Because the one thing that I saw were a lot of the people who were getting the feel-bads not for anything but the fact that they had already gotten a hotel room and they had their tickets all lined up and everything. The only thing they hadn't done was pre-register and they were out now because of it. And that kind of leads to the whole, hey, you guys should pre-register if you're going to go and buy a hotel room and buy a ticket. Right, but right. It was one of those things where it's like, hey, you know, they said a couple days ago that everything was just fine and there was lots of room and blah, 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 blah. You know, lots of reasons. So. It's one of those things that pre-registration is a thing that you have to do. You can't sign up on the site anymore, really. So just, just do it. Do it. 
<laughs> and I had a I had a, a car that was uh, some of my friends from my local store, uh, Check Swing. Yeah. And uh, one of them, you know, like I was typing in the search, you know, to find all my friends. I was, you know, searching for Alex to make sure he was still in top eight contention uh, throughout uh, the event. I found three of my friends in that particular car from the local store, and I couldn't find the fourth guy. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? I messaged them. They finally messaged me back like Saturday night that, you know, they couldn't register him. And I, I feel pretty bad because it's a pretty long ride from, from Montreal all the way to Pittsburgh. And knowing the guy was excited about Modern, and uh, it's, it's a huge huge bummer he was ex- like he's also not a super competitive player so you're talking about a guy who's probably playing you know this one gp per year and for him to have like practice a bit of modern in prep for that you know that just breaks my heart jer yeah that's brutal and then the other side of it like these long rounds and stuff like that it just again i don't know what the uh i don't know what the actual impact has been from them changing the way the judge program works and the way that judges are comped because it used to be a case that you could get your comp via your judge foils and that was kind of like free for the the tos you know the tos had to provide some other stuff you know your meal step in they used to have to make sure that uh you were taken care of as far as like you know snacks and stuff like that on the floor but the other part to it was like hotel rooms and all that stuff now it's all just like cash so when that happens, is it a case that people are pulling back and cheaping out because it costs more? Obviously, uh, we've seen the prices of these events go up, but I, I don't know. Like it just, it really makes me wonder if, uh, if this is something that we're going to see more of, or if this is just going to be like a one-off and Wizards of the Coast does something about it. But the one piece of feedback that always comes is if you got a feel-bad story, um, then you got to make sure that you uh, you share it with Wizards. Yeah, yeah. So. And uh, one other complaint I, I heard was, was that side events weren't, weren't firing on day one on Saturday, which sounds like maybe they were just shorthanded on judges or something. Not that sure. could be the case. But uh, another rumor that I heard that was pretty funny is that there there was just not enough table space for all the events. So two side events had to alternate, take turns using tables for their rounds. So, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. So like the first event would use the tables for one round, and then the second event would use those tables for their first round. And then the, the, the first event would go back to using them for their second round. So it was like every other hour you get to play. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if it was true or not, but... <laughs> wow. That's, uh, yeah. That's, that's... That's a thing. That's... Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Man, at this point you can say a lot of things and, and it would make sense to me, I guess. Um... I mean, I heard about this guy, like, someone said this story at at work today about a guy who, you know, drove infinite hours just to, I think, play in some, all he wanted to do was to play in some EDH side event or something, and then he just got completely, like, he just got turned forward or something and, and drove the fuck out of there. <laughs> um, hmm. 
So did, did it affect you at all, Alex? Like you were were you going to bed pretty late then? Round ended around ten eleven, you said, or nine ten? Yeah, I uh, just got some food quick and went to sleep. Didn't really <laughs> get as much sleep as I wanted, but uh, yeah, it affected me on day two a little bit. In the first round, I I made some terrible misplays. I just you know hadn't had coffee yet, wasn't awake yet. Okay, tell tell us the most embarrassing misplay you made all weekend, please. Oh God! <laughs> please, please, we we people need to know that even you, most recent GP Pittsburgh master, is a human yeah. I being. guess they do. Okay, I was playing. It was actually against Pat Costa that this happened. That was oh, it was awful. I, I I basically had onboard lethal and I missed it, and he Vendillion clicked me. <laughs> and I have to reveal that I missed onboard lethal because it's oh, oh, oh. <laughs> which is just the most embarrassing, right? Because you know he he knows now. It was so just can yeah. You tell I, me whether or not the thought to concede went through your head <laughs> in response to the Vendillion yeah, click trigger, like the Vendillion yeah. click shame concede. You know, that would have like, been the honorable thing to do there. Yeah, because <laughs> we've all seen like the the super extra questionable keep. And then getting like turn yeah. one thought seized, and you're just like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna concede this. <laughs> the worst part about it was that he clicked me, and then I had I top decked a spell to not get punished for it, and won anyway. Oh, off the click, off the click draw. So no justice there. Wow. And I, I forget if you mentioned it. Was this on or not on camera? No, it was. It was not. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> that's that's one of those things man when you're when you're uh it's like that they made a big thing about that guy at, i didn't watch it but it, it was funny oh the wasteland but, guy the guy the wasteland guy <laughs> <laughs> and he calls himself uh like he has a wasteland nickname like the wasteland kid or whatever because he he had multiple chances to wasteland bbd or something and he just did it <laughs> yeah that was that was hilarious to read about um, and, uh, of course, Jerry, we got to ask Alex if, uh, there were any, anybody who tried to scumbag you or oh, you yeah. tried to scumbag them throughout this, uh, entire event up to the top eight. Uh, no, there was no, no scumming, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately <laughs> for our show, unfortunately, unfortunately for, the story. for your run. Yeah. yeah. Fortunately for your run that, uh, there was not, no such thing. I guess people were, were pretty cool. Didn't play too slow or anything? No, not really. Mostly it's it's usually me who's playing slow, so <laughs> everyone always makes fun of me for going to time all the time. So. Oh yeah, I'm I'm getting like that really bad, Alex. I, I I can't finish up games fast at all. I'm terrible. And I don't even play control decks. I do play yeah. combo, which does actually usually eat up a lot of time, but yeah, Alex at least has that excuse. Like, I play these slow, grindy decks. <laughs> yeah, it's somewhat of an excuse until it just, you know, you get, like, two draws every tournament, and then it becomes a joke. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. <laughs> well, I always find it weird when one of my friends, like, tell me that they got a draw last round, and I'm like, uh, what are you playing again? I'm playing Affinity. I'm like, what the fuck? Or... <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I guess, like, their opponent is either on those crazy, like, storm, uh, decks that can take a lot of time, or, you know, there, there are definitely 
super complicated affinity board states. It's not it's not that easy. But uh, whenever they tell me they're playing an aggro deck, and and they drew against another aggro deck, I'm just like, what? What the fuck is going on? Yeah, they don't even have fetch lands, so they're not even shuffling their deck. <laughs> so what are your plans uh do you have any early plans for the for the pt are there anyone is there anyone that you're friends with that's also going that that you're going to work with or you're just going to keep working with your uh, local crew there yeah there's actually two players local here in buffalo who qualified uh through the rptq uh, a few weeks ago so uh yeah that was kind of a motivating factor for me to try to qualify um, you know, this was like my last shot to qualify for the same pro tour that they qualified for. So now I have a a, t- a team. Sweet. Yeah, who are they? Uh, my two friends, uh, Dan Stella and Ryan Hare. Uh, they're both locals here in Buffalo. Are they good? Yeah. I mean, don't lie, qualified. man. Don't lie on the show. <laughs> don't lie on the show, man. <laughs> okay. So, if you guys were a team away. sealed team, what would your team sealed name be? A team sealed name be. Yeah. Um, this is important. Two bad players and one GP winner. <laughs> that would be your Not team sure, sealed yeah. name if you were playing with him, KYT. Oh. <laughs> who's the other bad player? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I guess if we were playing with him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> My go-to team name is Team Slow and Loose. I like that one. There you Ooh. go. Yeah, okay. That's a good one. I like it. We can work with that. <laughs> uh, any other events coming up for you, Alex? Um, let's see, I'm going to SCG New Jersey this weekend, actually. Ooh, Legacy. to play some Legacy. Yeah. Is it like, what is it? Is there a standard portion still, or are you just going down to play some Legacy? Yeah, they got the Premier IQs on Sunday if you don't make day two. So... I might be playing standard and modern, but hopefully not. Oh, it's your big 20K legacy main event. Ooh. Yep, yep. So do you have any spice? Have you been practicing at all? or Not really. I mean, I'm playing some spice, I suppose. I'm playing uh, Grixis deck with Painful Truths. Ooh. Yeah. I've been I've been hearing a lot of good things uh, about Painful Truth. Uh, just recently, I think someone did well. In a tournament, I forget which tournament report escapes my mind, but yeah, the author was, mentioned was Chapin, painful yeah. truth, uh, performing better than expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I got the idea from. Basically, Chapin, Sperling, and Martel played it in like an Esper deck, and uh, Chapin called it Treasure Cruise, but legal. Yeah, painful truth. Uh, is the is the recent rare in Battle for Zenicar two colors a black sorcery with converge where you can draw X cards and you lose X life where X is the number of colors of mana spent to cast painful truths. So, uh, but when you get, uh, I mean, hmm, it's hard to say legacy. The legacy community is going to be intimidated by you because it's generally a different crowd. Oh yeah, for so it's sure. like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> well, what's the last thing that you've done? Um, I won a GP in an internal format. <laughs> Can't really play Twin and Legacy. You could, but I don't think it would work. Yeah, why not? Go for it. <laughs> I think it'd be fine. Awesome. Did you guys awesome. see like this nonsense about this Legacy without the or the uh, what do they call that? The revi- uh, reserve list. 
No, no, I have not. I don't I know if it was an that. article or something like that, but it was like people trying to talk like, how do you kind of give Legacy a, a jump start? And essentially it was just take everything on the reserve list and ban it. So that you don't have to worry about like those really hard to get super stupid expensive cards because nobody can play with them now because they're so hard to get. And essentially it would just be like kind of a weird modern, I think. So Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That. Like, yeah, I think this is uh I'm I'm Googling and it got me like this article on MTG Goldfish. So Okay. Well people go to that it's, site. Yeah, so maybe you got it from there. I don't know. I just saw people talking about it in uh in the Facebook groups and stuff like that going on about the idea and if it had any valid thought to it and it was mostly just people kind of going on about it well it's just going to be modern and the list is obviously going to change things up and you know some of the people were like ah you know like this could be bad for the game we're getting countered with the oh i remember when they got rid of damage on the stack and everyone thought the game was going to die or a four of max in a, a deck was going to make the game going to die like it was just a lot of like really kind of bizarreness I don't know the current state of Legacy, but uh, yeah, like this article saying Legacy is dying a slow, sad death. Once Wizards starts, stops supporting a format, it's only a matter of time before it dies. Um, well, like the any- thought is, is like Star City Games isn't supporting it as much. So you have all the, the Legacy people kind of already upset about that, maybe a little bit cautious as well. And then you take that a little bit of a step further with the whole uh the whole like just aspect that you know you're not seeing like you are seeing it at the gps and everything but you know people always want to kind of make a change they always want to kind of be a little bit dramatic about that kind of stuff yeah yeah we we've also noticed that for like our, our mdss's where the modern tournaments were doing sick like they surprised it surprised us when we use moderns in certain cities where we had used standard like the year prior and modern in some particular places it just there was just a spike in attendance and uh you know i could see i could see like a per, just based purely on on attendance data why scg would want to push something like modern more uh and, and less on the legacy front um do you have any idea what's what's the legacy community like in, in your local corner, Alex? I mean, there's a lot of diehard legacy players in like the upstate New York area, New Jersey area. There's a there's a lot of like Eternal Weekend goes on, you know, around, around oh, yeah. that area. So there's a lot of really diehard players around here. Um, I think part of it maybe is Star City is going to be giving out some Pro Tour invites at their Invitationals coming yeah. up. Maybe and that was part of... Yeah, part of the reason why they're removing Legacy from there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, have you been playing much Standard or, or Sealed? I've been playing Sealed. I've been, I, I haven't really been playing Standard, though. Okay, so, so Jared, Jared was uh, asking me before... Bef- well, before this interview, he, was, he had questions. He was like... Uh, no, I'll let him ask. What's with these... Uh, I don't know what question you're talking about. Okay, what's with these uh, three and four color decks like that yes! are crushing me? Yes, okay, so yeah, I was playing some standard or some uh, sealed and like specifically sealed. And I put together 
Well, my, my deck was just garbage. It was, it was straight up garbage. I just, I didn't really have the tools that I felt I needed to kind of be successful. You know, sometimes you got the, the gas and sometimes you don't. Uh, the only kind of rare mythic I was playing was the time warp. And the best card in my deck was uh, easily the uh, blue guy that returns uh, an awakened spell. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, like that's that was hands down my best card. Uh, it was like a mix between like a blue black allies deck and a life gain deck. Like it just it was a really, really pitiful thing. But I was walking around like I got crushed by like a four color deck and I was walking around. Everyone's playing like three colors, four colors, but like it just doesn't seem like there's any fixing to support that. I just I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, is, is, is that happening or is it just. It. Yeah, I, and that's the thing is I've seen people play these decks without having the fixing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, where it's like, I talked to a guy and he's like, oh yeah, I'm playing four colors. I'm like, oh, you got like a couple, uh, whatever the tap and sack it to fetch a basic or the, uh, the three mana one, one flyer. And they'll be like, no, no, I just threw a couple extra planes in. What? So, yeah, it's the kind of format where you, you might have to take risks like that. If the power levels is that low of every pool, just to play the powerful cards, because everyone else is going to have powerful cards. So yeah, and like that's of, the part where it's like, I had two of the red uh, deal three damage and exile it if it dies, solid card. But I had nothing else in red, so it's like little things like that where it's like, am I supposed to splash for those? Like, am I supposed to go to like a four color thing? Like I was already kind of in a three color thing and had kind of. I need to make three cuts, and it's like, okay, well, three cuts is my splash, so whatever, you know, that, that's no problem. But I, I don't know, man. It just seemed seemed really weird. I, I just, I, I, I used to, you play sealed, you find what your strong colors are, build a good, like, synergistic deck that's in those colors, and try not to get too greedy. And, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, this is. I think it's the kind of format where you, most of the time, have to get greedy, more greedy than than usual. Okay, you 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 heard that here first, Jer, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, I I want you to crush, man. I think it's good. Has has anybody actually come up to you with like a wolfier a wolfier silverheart to sign? No, no. In it, fact, they fucking should. In fact, in fact, what's been brought to me. Is that stupid little fucking scalding goblin that fucking killed me in the finals? That's what I see. That's what people bring me. I mean, I can't imagine Silverheart being worth that much. So it's like, it's like me. I, I actually had people come up to me with slippery boggle. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, that's cool. I've, 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 not that I'm especially proud of it or anything, but like usually I sign like random cards or, or play mats. For people, but to have like a specific card and uh, that I've signed, it's definitely slippery boggle, which is funny. <laughs> and it's like a cheap fucking comment. But for you, it should definitely be Silverheart. Yeah, no, I remember uh, I was judging a tournament, and one of the judges from that particular area, he went out of his way to get wow. a foil one of the, the little fucking goblin because he was from the same like neck of the woods as the guy who beat me with. and he's like yeah we uh we got together and we got you this and it's just like oh hi my name's jeremy we've never met but nope still fucking good enough to come in and 
dink <laughs> me like that. Oh man, the daggers are real. Oh, the daggers are so real. For for you, what would be the more most iconic card for you for that would define this GP and your success at this GP, Alex, in your deck? What's your number one MVP? Oh, definitely Splitter Twin. Ooh, Splinter Twin. Yeah. I, I mean, mean yeah, that's, that's gone up in price, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the moment in round 15 when I had the top deck hit uh, for the, the last turn before I Oh, died. yeah, yeah, they showed, they showed out on camera, too. Yeah. And people were like, what a fucking luck sack! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't deny that. But that's, but that's why you play the deck, because it gives you those percentage points over sure. the long run. Um, anything you'd like to add, Alex? No, just thank you guys for having me on the show. Yeah, we we got yeah, I, I, like you and uh, you and Matt have been two of my favorite friends. I I don't even remember when we first met. Probably yeah. actually no. I have what's the flashback. story? Though? What's the story? Give me the story. How do you guys know each I, other? Why why is he your boy? I think I have I have a sudden flashback to when we hosted me and Scotty hosted our very first man deprived party um but alex was sort of writing for me like initially the history was he was writing for jesse uh 60 cards 60 cards.com and you know that site has gone under at some point but like they were slowing down jesse was less committed so uh i picked them up and we finally met for the first time i believe at the mdss at uh, not mdss at the first man deprived uh karaoke slash whatever super party with Mr. Scotty Mac. Was that when the guy was doing the epic sax? Oh, my boy Jake was doing the epic sax. And uh, I'm not sure... Did Matt... No, Matt did not do Bonfire then. No, he, did. his... he wasn't there, but Scotty Mac did uh, Gangnam Style. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the reason it's one of the more memorable stories, uh, parties probably because we got we had everyone there. Um, I remember it, Sam it was, Black dancing on the table. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was close to the venue, and Scotty found an amazing DJ, and we had like LSV, Owen, Reed, like everyone was there. Oh yeah, yeah. so it was it was insane. Everyone relevant was there, and, and obviously that includes you, Jerry. You were there, and was it was I wasn't relevant, awesome. but I was there. I mean. I don't know how well I knew you then. I think that's when you called me out for cheating with Geisesing trash. Yes, so I don't yes. know how much yeah, I like that. That's where I got scumbag from. <laughs> you call well, me scumbag really. because of that yeah no actually that's actually yeah. why you call me scumbag Schofield because I called you out you <laughs> called me out no one's funny you called me out but then you watched me play in like day two as some slow ass motherfucker plays me and you're like <laughs> you're just watching cringing and you know, you know I'm not the type to call slow play on someone so it was really fucking awkward um but we both like I love it. Like we both after the match I look at you, it goes fucking slow. And we nod in agreement. That was that yeah. was good. Uh so anything you want to add, Jer? Uh jeez, I don't know. Uh I don't I I really just I don't know kind of what my my magic game plan is right now. Like I don't know if I need to be doing more MTGO, but right now I just I find that I've been playing some more limited magic. Um, I'm obviously kind of on like a little bit of a follow kick, so I don't know if like this is the closest thing that I'm going to be taking a break. But that's right. not even really, you know, the case. It's just more 
circumstance is going to kind of put me in a position where I'm not going to get to play uh, any, uh, I'm not going to get to play any kind of magic probably for a few weeks here. So, okay, yeah, that's that's pretty much there. All there is to her. So, as for me, I'm I'm basically sort of like, um. I don't want to say retired too strong or hiatus. I, I did take one um, right before I took a huge break. They're like, I, I can see the breaks when I'm looking at my Planeswalker points history when it's like, okay, consistent, like thousand, whatever. And then there's like one season or one, uh, one space of time where it's just like in the hundreds. So it's clearly, I took a huge break at some point, even while running mana deprived and being invested on and basically never missing a podcast. I still uh, maintain my, my exposure to the game and I'm in the same spot right now where other priorities are, are taking place. And uh, also because I've mentioned on the show, I, I've, I've made the pro tour twice. And even though I didn't achieve super success, I've, I've proven to myself that I'm, I'm a decent magic player and that was important to me. So the drive isn't there, but now, uh, I expect myself with with the new MTGO rules to start grinding again, and I expect myself to be back super competitively, probably sometime right before uh, the the GP that we'll host in Toronto in late April. That uh, hopefully I'll see uh, Alex there as well. Um, yeah, for sure, and, I'll be there. And uh, and and I will try to get Scotty Mac, and we'll try to make this uh, super party part two, um, and. Um, yeah, I think that's that's where my head is at right now. It's not really on play. It's really focusing on, on making sure that RGP is the best that it could possibly be and everything else that's uh, still Magic-related but not the competitive side. But with Justin Richardson, one of my closest friends, being on the Magic World Cup, and, and Robert Anderson, a co-worker who's also been one of my friends since like the beginning of all this, him uh, top-fouring his RPTQ, I think that's that stuff is very, very motivating just like how it sort of motivated Alex to win this GP when he saw two of his friends and this was his last chance. To me, it's sort of the same thing where, you know, when the, the last two that I won, I didn't really qualify with a lot of close friends or at least friends that lived close to me. You know, I, I had to go to Ottawa to test with Dan Lantier a bit. And, and, and for the first one, you know, I was, I was a rookie and I teamed up with Jess and, uh, Xavier, we were both, you know, trying to feel it, not not knowing what, didn't have that experience. And again, Jessica lives in Toronto, doesn't live close to me, so there was that difficulty. And but now I got local people that are doing well. And with Team Canada being picked as you know one of the favorites going into Magic World Cup, wouldn't be surprised to see Jay Rich uh, qualifying for the PT that way. You know, with the help of Alex and Sean McLaren. I mean, that's the U the U.S. name wise basically can match it pound for pound but not not many teams not many world teams are have that type of talent where you have two pro tour champions that you know are known to be sickos so i do expect canada to do well but I, i've been saying that forever and uh they have disappointed like they can't get out of their first the first stage or whatever like last time they completely crumbled yeah they didn't even show up the last time yeah especially like they had mclaren hayne Fournier and Goldfarb. Oh, Goldfarb. And, but, like, there's enough, there's so much talent in the top two. Like, when you measure 
the Canadian top two versus any other country's top two, I mean, it's tough to match them, right? And it's, and then you figure, you know, it'll work itself out, but they just fucking bombed. And uh, this year, we're hoping, we're hoping for better luck. Um, but the American team's good too, man. The American team is fucking sick as well. So I think they'll do, they'll, they're opposed to do really well as well. And so is the Japanese team. So very excited about the Magic World Cup. And uh, that's all for me and uh, Jeremy and Alex. Thank you again, Alex. And uh, we'll catch you all uh, next week. And uh, at the same time, please check out Alex's tournament report about his GP Pittsburgh on manadprive.com. Same time this podcast releases. So uh, see you guys next week. Love you all.